Welcome, everyone, to another installment of the BC Counselor's Legal Brief, the legal podcast that provides easy-to-understand information about estate and business planning to help you, your family, and your business. And now, the jovial gents of jurisprudence, Mike Betts and Spencer Chaffin. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Betts. I'm sitting here with Spencer Chaffin. Howdy. We're bringing another episode of the BC Counselor's Legal Brief. It's our exciting podcast. So exciting. We enlighten you on many of the emerging issues that are confronting individuals and small businesses. Sometimes we go on rants. Sometimes we rave. Sometimes we... Sit back and chillax. Exactly. You never know what you're going to get. Today, I'm pretty calm. Actually, I've already recorded two other podcasts today. So I'm finding my, my center. Spencer, how are you doing? I'm ready to go. I can tell that Spencer is ready to go. So today's podcast is going to be about something that you've heard in the news, something that has probably baffled your mind, and frankly, something that is still baffling my mind. And Spencer really just doesn't even know anything about it. I'm lost. Which is funny because I'm a lot younger than you and I should understand what this is. And the only reason why I understand what this is is because I have a false sense of I should say confidence. By the end of this, we're going to learn that even I don't even know anything about this. This is the podcast on NFTs. Non-fungible tokens. Dude, we need to use that for like intro music. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Actually, what would be really cool is if you guys have listened to our podcast where we kind of talked about STDs and lawsuits and arbitration and copyrights and music, copyright law in particular, I would love to get the rights to use the Chicago Bulls intro music from the 90s. Oh, that is such good music. You know what I'm talking about? Gets you hyped up, man. Gets me friggin' hyped up. Like I wouldn't have started this podcast as slowly as I did. I would have been more like Spencer if I had heard it. I think Spencer was listening to it earlier. Was. In my head. Like, if I was wearing those tearaway pants, I'd have ripped them off. I'd be like, let's do this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'd dye my hair like Dennis Rodman. Yes. I would dye my hair if I had any. So that's why I'll do it. I'll sacrifice for the team. Exactly. Thank you, Spencer. (laughs) So uh, non-fungible tokens, NFTs. I guess the question is, what is an NFT? Spencer, do you know what an NFT is? Like just as an ordinary person, because you're going to be like most people, what is your understanding of what an NFT is? Don't read your screen. Just tell me. Now that I just read it, it's a little bit more clear. And so something that is fungible is something that is replaceable. And the example in this article they used is Bitcoin. You would think Bitcoin, because I always thought fungible was something you could touch. Well, technically, you can't touch Bitcoin. Yep. So Bitcoin is a fungible item because you can trade one for another. It's the same exact thing. It's like a dollar. It's a dollar. A dollar to a dollar. A dollar is a fungible. You got it. A non-fungible token is something that there's only one of. And so they used a good example of like trading cards. There's only one trading card or there's one 
Barry Bonds' 76th home run ball. There's only one of those or whatever. And if you trade that away, you don't get that one anymore. You might get something of same value, but you don't get the same thing back. So that's a non-fungible item. Yeah, they're one-offs. You can think of them in theory as a one-off. Now, I'm going to be a little bit... Well, okay, let me say it this way. In another podcast, we talked about a recording artist's masters. We talked about Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift recorded an album. I don't know the name of any of her albums because I grew up in the Napster, post-Napster world. So I don't know (laughs) names of songs. I don't know names of albums. I just know music, right? Mike, you're not saying that you ever illegally downloaded music. You're just given an era. No, like (laughs) the problem is I was law-abiding. So many people weren't. Yeah. And I would come across, people would have CDs. If I put in this CD, I'm like, what is this CD? I don't know. It's a CD. And then there's all sorts of music on it. It's like, what's this song? I don't know. You know what I mean? And so that's what I was referring to. Thank you for clarifying that. So let's talk about, though, quickly the concept of master. So Taylor Swift recorded an album. An album. Okay. Her first album. That recording is a master recording. They put everything together. The producer does all of the magic. And then that is your master recording. And then they copy that millions of times. And then she goes platinum because so many people buy buy, the CDs or whatever. Now, that is a non-fungible thing. And if you will, it's an NFT. It's a non-fungible token. I'm using it in the broadest sense, but bear with me. Obviously, the people who have designed this concept have their own, it's like Ethereum or Bitcoin have their own like rules and terminology and stuff. I'm not an expert in any of that period or even NFTs for that matter, but I'm using this loosely, if you will. Think of that recording, right? Let's say we put all of her first album in an MPEG. That is an NFT. The MPEG itself, let's say, is a token, right? Like it's an intangible thing that I can't touch. It's like ones and zeros. But let's say that's what it is. Because there's uh, only one of those. It's the master And it's the master. Recording. And then I make a copy. If I owned that file and I had a way on a ledger to prove that I owned it. So I have this little asset and then people like have a protocol that says, who owns what? And then they've got like security things to say that this always follows it. And then if, let's say, Pierre takes my MPEG and copies and pastes it onto a new computer, that's a copy. It's not this one. Is it identical in all respects, the ones and zeros? Yes, it's the same exact sound. Yes. But if Pierre goes and sells it to somebody else without having this extra bit to prove that this is the authentic one, it's just a copy. But my point is, think about anything being an NFT in our previous life, if it's that one-off. The Mona Lisa is, if you will, now it's non-fungible, right? But it's a, it's a, it's a, it's not in the digital world, it's a real world thing. But that in and of itself is a non-fungible thing. We can make prints off of it and sell all the prints, right? But there's but only those one are just original copies. That's the one, right? And how do we, the NFT world goes a step further. How do we ensure that that Mona Lisa is the authentic 
Mona Lisa. Now, NFTs are intangible in this world just because of the nature. Now, I'm going to become an old man again, right? Remember that one podcast when I turned 40 and then I was very old and crotchety? crotchety. You basically said, stay off my lawn. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I was like, yeah. yeah. Kids so, getting money. Yeah, getting money and <laughs> social media don't destroy our world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, social media is going to destroy our world because of social media. No, I'm kidding. In this digital world that we live in, though. Yeah. And with creators, it's given an opportunity to make or do interesting things. And so what somebody did was they went to, let's say, a cryptocurrency, right? Now, cryptocurrencies, as you said at the very beginning, are fungible, right? Correct. One is the same as the other. But in these currencies, we got to make sure that you have what you say you have. You know what I mean? Correct. So I have five of this currency and... I have five and this is my five and it's proof that I have my five. So if you want to buy my five, right, you'll give me the equivalency and I will give you those five and it transfers. So now I don't own those five. You own those five. Well, they took that exact same concept and they attached it to something that wasn't a currency. Let's say a picture that you had done. Or let's say it's even the picture of the Mona Lisa. It could be anything, but it's think of it as a new work. So to easily help us think about what this is, let's say I, and I'm going to borrow on a really popular NFT, something that went like viral and exploded, something called a bored ape. Basically, a bored ape is a digital drawing, if you will, of an ape. And they have thousands, maybe even more iterations of it. But let's say I just did one and I have one like bored looking ape and it's a really cool cartoon. And somebody's like, man, I really love that. Well, what I do is I create it digitally, right? I get it on one of these ledgers. So really fundamentally, Bitcoin is just a ledger. It's a ledger with my name. And then I transfer it to Spencer and this ledger is maintained forever. And it's a ledger that can't be theoretically gone into, erased and changed. And so it's like, it's like, it's like very safe. And then you'll hear things like decentralized, meaning there's not like one server that if somebody hacks into that one server, they can wreck and wreak havoc. Think of it decentralized as being on a ton of different computers in some like crazy, like groupthink way. They're all working together crunching the same numbers and keeping track of the stuff. And the data is big and the calculations are big and they use a lot of energy to do it, but the data is not that big. The data, like packet, is relatively small. So here's the kind of a silly thing. Let's say my board ape, right? And this is going to be like kind of a prelude to some of the legal issues that I want to like just get your thoughts on. Let's say I create the board ape. I go on a computer and this is so just basic. So people who have done this, they're going to laugh at me. But let's say I go and I draw on my computer in some sort of a, like an art device, right? Like I've got like a pad that like turns my drawing into something digital or I write it on paper and then convert it. However, however these graphic designers do digital art. I create this digital art, right? I quote unquote mint it working with a company that does that to get it on the the ledger, right? So now somebody 
can buy it. And then if they buy it, they have their name on the ledger and then the next person will buy it. Well, what I'm going to do is when I put that, when I mint it and put it on the ledger, my file, like the actual drawing itself, let's say it's like a three megabyte file, right? That I drew. That three megabyte like image is not necessarily on the chain, the blockchain. blockchain. It's not on it. All that's on it is Mike Betts was the first creator. I issued this thing, Mike Betts. And all of these exchanges have rules and whatnot. But let's say I set it at like, I can set the price. And I set the price at $500. And somebody sees it and they like it. And they're like, gosh, that's really cool. I'm going to pay $500 for it. Done. I get paid. Everything goes through the ledger and through these like, what I'll call these like clearing houses that like accept the money. They accept the money. They pay it to me. Okay. And so I get my $500 and then on the ledger, my name now no longer owns it, right. but Spencer, I sold it to you. Yep. You own it. But on the ledger, in the absence of like, if you get rid of everything else and you're just looking solely at those numbers, all it shows, Spencer, is my name to you Correct. of a file, let's say. If I'm hosting on the World Wide Web my image on a server, so I have a website, right? And I'm hosting it on that website on a server. This doesn't happen, but say I had my own server that it was hosting on, but my server was connected on the World Wide Web and so people could see it. Let's assume I delete all my files. Like I get rid of my server. I just trash it. That picture of the board ape that I gave you, right? It might say no image now, or it might give you like an error. Because if you go and like try to pull it up, if I took it off my server, it's gone. So you've got an NFT that because we didn't follow through completely on, 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 on everything, yeah. but this is how most of them are, right? I could disappear. And then if you paid me $500, that could be gone forever. Does that make sense? Now, what you might do is you might copy it because that's the other challenge it's with NFTs. It's still digital so anyone can copy it. You can right click, copy image, and then paste it. Now, you will be the only owner of that. So maybe I don't need to give you the original file, right? The source code, if you will, right? Whatever is sitting on my server, when it's gone, it's gone forever. But you right-clicked it, right? And saved it on your own computer. You've got it. Now, let's say our friend over here is like, dude, I love that board ape. Spencer's got that board ape. Because you love it. And so you made it your avatar. He goes and right clicks your avatar on Google or Whatever. Meta. Yeah. Yeah. On Meta. <laughs> he does that. He like take it from you and start using it. It's your property. He's using a copy of it. But for the whole world, you are the owner of that. You see what I'm saying? Like you're the owner of it. Right. And you could stop him from doing it. So my point is I created it. I tied it to a blockchain. All I'm doing is the theory that you own this thing goes to you. Right. You know what I mean? But as far as like controlling the source files, a lot of this is like unanswered. Well, I was going to say like if Pierre just copied the asset that I own now, am I able to sue him for? Theoretically, you have the rights. So these contracts all have, they call them digital 
contracts that execute a certain way. And so when I sell you my board ape, probably what I'll do is I'll say, Spencer's probably gonna try to resell it. I'll always get a royalty on it. So anytime you sell, I get like 10%, just made up a random number, of whatever he got. Yeah. We're gonna take a short break, but we'll return with more legal info to help you, your family, and your business right here on the BC Counselor's Legal Brief. This episode of the BC Counselor's Legal Brief is brought to you by Alfredo Robledo Certified Public Accountant, PC. Alfredo has been licensed as a certified public accountant since 1984 and is located in Grapevine, Texas. Alfredo can help with many different tax matters, ranging from filing individual and business tax returns, trust and estate filings, as well as bookkeeping services for your business. You can contact Alfredo at 817-421-0720 or find him at grapevinecpa.com. and I'm almost a teenager. I have a real problem. My daddy and my grandfather love pie. For my daddy, it's apple. For my poppy, it's anything lemon. But they won't bring me any pie. I don't think that's fair. They always go to Judy Pie on Main Street in Grapevine, where Miss Judy and her bakers make 20 different kinds of pies and cinnamon rolls on the weekend. But I don't get any. They tell me I can have pie when I'm a teenager, like pie is only for grown-ups or something. Can someone please call my daddy and my poppy and tell them I need pie? In the meantime, you can go to JudyPie.com, or if you're in Grapevine, Texas, visit Judy Pie on Main Street. And if my daddy or my poppy are there, tell them that Kaya wants a piece of pie. And we're back, and you're listening to the BC Counselor's Legal Brief, the podcast providing legal info to help you, your family, and your business. So these bored apes are a real thing. They exploded. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Somebody bought a bored ape on an exchange. It shows that they're the owner, right? The only person who's allowed to use it, its name, image, or likeness, right? Going back to the NIL stuff, right? The people who want to use it have to talk to you. So if you've got a unique bored ape, it's yours. And then if somebody says, I want to buy it from you, right? Because right now, I don't think these contracts have gotten so sophisticated. We're like, you're sub-licensing it to somebody, although you can do that. Like, let's say you sell it to somebody for like $500,000. That's literally yeah. happened. Well, then I, in my electronic digital contract, automatically, when that $500,000 gets paid to the exchange, the exchange pays me, my 10% pays you the balance. You see what I'm saying? But once you yeah. own it, it's yours. Right. And you can sub-license it, and you can let people who paid you a fee download a copy of it, you know what I mean? And uh, use it. And you can do it in a lot of different ways. Typically what people do right now with NFTs, as I understand it, is you've got lots of content creators that create it. There's a big buzz on this. It's like a message board that everyone goes on to like talk about stuff. I can't remember the name of this message board. People are going to be listening to this and just laugh at the concept. But people will see what's trending on Twitter, right? Because it's, this is very much powered by social media. 
They'll see what's trending on Twitter. They'll go on this message board, see like the community, like all of these creators create communities. And then like they see what like, what is like the involvement in the community. And they just basically see what has a buzz, what people are talking about, what people are interested in. And then there's even like softwares out there that can like plug into your browser or whatever that then like will tell you how unique yours is. And then you can go watch the bids, the asks, like the marketplace on what's going to happen. And then people literally just buy and flip NFTs, just buy them and then resell them for a profit. That's typically what I've been seeing people do in this. But fundamentally, it is a work that somebody created. And then that work gets minted and tied to a blockchain. And then somebody wants to buy it, goes on to an exchange, pays, and then they can resell it or they can hold it. Or theoretically, it's now your property. You could come to an attorney like me, depending on what that digital contract says, right? Because I don't know what rights if you didn't completely sell it. But let's say you partially, like you gave me a non-exclusive license right. to like, oh, you have a, Art a, a video game TV. you want to do? Yeah, oh, yeah, video, yeah. Video game. You have a video right, game yeah. and you want to put my board ape as a player in it? Like yeah. use that? Yeah, dude, you can use the artwork or yeah. the likeness, redraw it and do whatever you want. Absolutely. I just want $3 from every unit that you sell. Okay. Now, I don't know if that $3 in my silly example goes then to you and then back to, I have to confess, I've not seen these digital contracts and I don't know that people are thinking that far out and the digital contracts will be confusing because I'll have to then for these digital contracts to work conceptually, I would have to like tie up the digital contracts. In other words, if you own the board ape, let's say I expect to get 10% anytime you do anything with it, right? And we have a digital contract. Well, if you sell to somebody, that's all in the system. Monies are automatically get paid to me. But if you and I do it and I give you a board ape and then you go do these like side deals. And then let's say you say, screw Mike, F him. I'm not going to pay him anything. And let's say EA takes your board ape, makes some crazy game that makes a billion dollars and you get... 1% of that just to be stupid. You know what I mean? Like, do I, as the person who created it, have the right to that? Maybe, maybe in the digital contract, whatever it said, but how would I ever know as the person? Unless I'm looking, oh, I see Spencer's board ape. And in this big example, like if it's a billion dollars, it's big, people are talking about it. I probably know. And then I'd have to be like, Spencer, I want to see your sales. But does that contract give you those rights? Do you have rights to audit? And you could just be like, no, this is what it is. And then lie. And people, contrary to people believe, people lie in court all the time. What? They do. They lie in documents all the time. No. You, you know what I mean? My point is like, you might not know, you not, might not be aware. Who knows? The whole point in this world is we're selling basically digital IP. Correct. But I could do the same thing with a tangible thing. With the Mona Lisa. With the Mona Lisa. So I could create like a certificate, you know what I mean, that represents 
because that's all a token does is represents a thing. So this token represents this artwork on the computer or this token represents this real thing in the real world. So one of the interesting applications is, well, if we're letting the blockchain just confirm authenticity of a real thing that's represented by this, right? Because we're just digitally confirming the ownership, then you don't have to do title work anymore. You know what I mean? Like once the algorithm clears it. Digitally, the title work's done. It's done because allegedly the blockchain is so secured. People can't because it's decentralized break into it. But I think as people dive into like the nitty gritty, they realize a lot of this is going to be very hard to fit in the real world. Where it really works big time is in that meta space, that meta world, like the virtual reality worlds that are out there. That people are actually buying, quote unquote, real estate in the meta world. Yeah. So it's like not a real thing. Here's another thing. What people could do is, and this is scary, you could theoretically buy this property, let's say, in a meta world, right? And own it. And it's yours. And in the meta world, because eventually I think people think you're going to be transacting business and people are going to be coming to your shop in the meta world. But let's say you have like a location, your mom and pop, and you have a location in the real world. And then you're trying to get that same location in the meta world. Somebody else could, could own it and could steal your address. And then, dude, how does Google differentiate the real world address? What do you think? If like the meta world takes off, do you think Google's just going to be like, we're just dealing in the real world? No. And so then how are you going to be, be marketing and that sort of thing? Can you use a meta address? Let's say Google is like they've got their address and it's like pops up to everywhere. Like what would stop us from tying our law firm to that address? In the meta world. So when somebody Googles that, it pops them up, but we're right under them because our address is in the meta world and it's the only search term for and that. our offices and are so, the Google building. How cool. But it's not the Google building because in our metaverse, yeah, we own that real estate. Yeah. It's kind of messed up. This is all theoretical. Yeah, right. But, but we see work. how it could cause problems for people. These NFTs, I think, will have a huge significance in that world. And transacting across platforms will have a big, big, big impact on the blockchain and that yeah. sort of thing in that regard. And again, the nature of these digital things is you can make a copy and how do you know it's authentic if there's going to be a value attached to it? So a lot of the criticism is like, do you really have anything? What's the point? Right. But then what people have done is they've done the board apes as being kind of like a club, right? There might be benefits of even owning it. Like you get to hang out at this cool this cool location so the people are doing that they're using these avatars to create like digital bands like all sorts of really cutting edge crazy stuff that clearly as you can tell i have no idea (laughs) i have no idea yeah but the intellectual property issues is intriguing so intriguing to me and those are going to get settled and figured out court of law because you know someone's going to sue because of you know, copyright infringement, so to speak, or who owns it, or the like. I'm curious on to see the first big NFT use 
an ownership lawsuit. Well, what's going to happen in like 30 years? I can honestly tell you, and I need to look more closely at this, but I believe the world that we're dealing with right now is copyright. And so if somebody has transferred their rights to you, I don't know what the impact of the copyright rule that basically like puts everything back into the creator's hands, like in 35, 45 years, whatever it is, all of these revert back to the original creator. Then you paid like half a million dollars for something that maybe if you paid that much, it's like, I'll forever have this, like a, a fine piece of art. But did you really ever even own it? Right. I honestly do not know. Now, they're the creator of it, and the creator themselves are giving you the ownership. So I think it should be okay. I have to look at this, but I believe it's just like works for hire. Like you create something for me, and then I'm like leveraging it, right? Exploiting it. Eventually, those rights you gave me go back to you. In this case, you would be creating the thing and then selling it to me straight away. But actually, I think assignments are even negatively impacted by that copyright law. I don't know. There's a lot of laws that are outmoded that won't work. It's just so fascinating to me. So, so, so fascinating to me. From the legal aspect of it, it is very fascinating because it's still so open-ended. Nothing's been settled on it. But two, just the technology. And like, I don't have a creative mind. And seeing some of these things just boggles my mind that someone could, so to speak, for lack of a better term, put pen to paper and create that incredible work of art on anything, whether it's paper or computer. It's just, it's really cool stuff. Nothing that I will probably ever get into because I'm so, I just don't want to be inundated with it, so to speak. But I like looking at it from the sideline. It is really cool. It looks like it gets just pushed by all sorts of forums. See, that's the other thing that is interesting to me. It's the way they push everything. It's the way when I was in college, I basically day traded a little bit, like just for fun, like Scott trade or Ameritrade was like a thing that me and my buddy did. And I remember we would go to the Yahoo Raging Bull forum and it would like talk about, you know, we'd find like stocks and that sort of thing that just complete horse crap like businesses, but tons of volume trading, tons of buzz, tons of activity like on the forums. And we were making trades based on that. We made a little bit of money. It's just like it was a little money, but like as college kids go, it was life changing at that time. It was like, you know what? We don't have to eat Gino's pizzas anymore or Totino's pizzas. We can actually go out to eat type of a deal. It's the same thing, but just super, super, super like ragged edge. Yeah. What I was doing, but just hopped up on all sorts of Adderall <laughs> and other amphetamines. It's crazy. Anyway, anyway, yeah. So I don't know, Spencer, are you more confused? Was this helpful? It was a little eye-opening. So now we just get to sit back and watch it all play out. You know, I saw a meme one day. It said, the only thing we have to fear is missing out. And I think that's my biggest fear is missing out on these little trends. I don't even know if they're called bubbles. 
Like, I don't know that would be fair to call it a bubble. You know what I mean? But it just is fascinating to me, like what's going on and how much money is being made and lost in the crypto world. It's just so fascinating to me. It's a really, really interesting world that I'm going to keep looking, not for any reason other than just to kind of know how the heck we're going to have to guide clients in a crypto world because everything applies. The good news is estate planning, you can put all your cryptocurrency in your estate plan. You know what I mean? In your trust. Your trust still is like your foundation or at least your link to the real world. You know what I mean? But maybe, dude, Spencer, do we sell to all of our viewers and future clients crypto estate plans? No. Non-fungible estate plans? Just for an extra $10,000, we will get you a digital estate plan. (laughs) Does nothing. You may or may not own it. It may... (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. All right. Well, that wraps it for this one. Spencer, thank you for listening to me. It was enjoyable. Good. Thank you. I do understand NFTs better now. I don't understand I'm not going to say how much better than I did initially, but it does make more sense now. Hope the listeners learned something too. Or at least like enjoyed like just kind of us all talking about how we don't really know what the hell it is, but this is kind of the best guess. But the beauty is nobody knows. I've talked to experts. They don't know. Right. And then when you start asking like deeper questions, like really deep questions. They give the political answer. Well, they have no idea. Yeah. It's the darndest thing. Yeah. It's just a bunch of buzzwords that they're throwing that I don't understand. So anyway, well, thank you for listening to us. We'll talk to you all soon. And that brings us to the end of another show. For more information on today's topic or previous show topics, visit our website at bccounselorsatlaw.com. While there, feel free to let us know what future show topics you'd like us to cover. On behalf of Mike, this is Spencer, and we thank you for listening. And remember, it's always our goal to provide easy-to-understand legal info to help you, your family, and your business here on the BC Counselor's Legal Brief.